0: Well, we've been talking about uh, for this month of November, don't miss, and trying to encourage you to be here. And so today we're talking about don't miss the opportunity to give thanks. When I think about some of the prevalent attitudes in in our culture and our generation today, I would think about some words like uh, ingratitude, ungrateful, uh, a thankless spirit. And I think all those are signs of a culture that uh, takes what it has for granted and does not look at the source of the blessings and, and we fail in many ways and many times uh, to give thanks and glory to God for all the blessings that He has done for us, all the blessings He has given to us, and for the way that He moves and works in our life from our individual lives to our families, to our church, to our home, to, uh, to our place of employment, wherever. He's blessed us in so many ways. And so today as we think about coming to the Lord's table and we celebrate this meal that reminds us of God's ultimate gift and the sacrifice of His Son Jesus Christ. I want us to think about not missing the opportunity to express our thanks to God as we celebrate with the Lord's Supper and we partake of that. Interesting passage of Scripture that I realized I had never really preached on this before. And I thought that it would be appropriate for today as we look in Luke chapter 17 and Verses 11-19 through 19, where Jesus heals the ten men of leprosy. And on his way to Jerusalem Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. An interesting story, isn't it? Jesus is uh, on his way to Jerusalem surely his impending death is on his mind. As he enters this unknown and unnamed village he was met by ten lepers who came and they said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And of course Jesus did. The scripture says that when he saw them he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And before you think that maybe he was uh, sloughing off on his responsibility or his ability or his power to heal them. He wanted to be true to, to the Scriptures that they knew already. And so in Leviticus 14 it stated clearly uh, that anyone uh, who had had leprosy and was beginning to be cured from it had to go see the priest. And the priest was the only one who could declare that they were free and clear and clean of the leprosy. Uh, that is not the whole story. The interesting part is that the last part of verse 14 says that as they went, they were cleansed. so I think if you look at that and understand that verse, you'll see that that they were not healed before they left to go see the priest, but as they were on their way to the priest, their act of faith was what allowed God to move in their life, and they were healed as they were on their way to see the priest and so there's an interesting point there about their faith that there were ten lepers who were healed, but then the twist of the story is that only one comes back. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then the interesting phrase is put there, and he was a Samaritan. Now think about that. Ten were healed, and only one came back to thank Jesus. This one is whole again. He's healthy again. He's clean again. He's no longer an outcast. No wonder he was praising God. And it's interesting again that phrase that is said. And he was a Samaritan. I think that that is, is thrown in there uh, to let us know that maybe what Luke is not saying but was evident there was that the other nine maybe were Jews, and they of all people should have been most grateful for what Jesus had done for them and what He had done then. Now, what do we look at this story and we see? There are several things. I think first of all uh, this is a picture of the abundant grace of God. Th- this is where ten, ten were healed at one time. Most of the encounters we find with Jesus healing people uh, in his pilgrimage through the New Testament is with one, maybe two at the most. But here is all ten are healed. Second I think it is a picture of, the, of pre- prevalent ingratitude. Ten were healed. Nine never came back and expressed thanks to God. Only one came back to Jesus and bowed before him and praised God and thanked him for the blessing. And then third, I think that it's a picture of unexpected grace. Unexpected grace. These poor men had been plagued with this disease of leprosy for no telling how long. And and, and somehow in this obscure village on the border line of, of where they should live and where they couldn't live and that, the here comes Jesus, the master, and they cry out for pity, and Jesus has pity, and he heals them. Then we hear Jesus again. Then Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And Jesus asked three questions. Were there not ten healed? And of course the answer is yes. He said, where are the other nine? Well, they were gone. Nobody knew where they were. Evidently they went to the priest and from there they went wherever they wanted to go. Home probably. And then he said, is there no one here but this foreigner? And the answer to that is no. I think if you listen carefully you can hear the surprise, maybe the shock, maybe the sadness that's in the heart of Jesus when he sees that only one comes back. Why didn't they come back and express their thanks? They missed a wonderful opportunity to say thanks to God, didn't they? You know, perhaps they were in a hurry to see the priest. Perhaps they thought Jesus maybe had already left that region moving on on his way to Jerusalem. Or maybe they just assumed that Jesus knew how grateful they were. Perhaps they were too busy. Maybe they just simply were not grateful for what God had done. You see, on the outside they appear identical, yet what a difference One returned, nine went on their way. One was grateful, nine were not. One man found forgiveness and nine did not. One man received two miracles, healed from leprosy and the forgiveness of his sins. All ten were healed. But this man had a double blessing, a double miracle. And nine missed the opportunity to give thanks to God. Let me give you two key thoughts about this passage. First of all, gratitude is the highest duty uh, and supreme virtue uh, that, that we as believers can have in our life. Because from, from gratitude builds all the other virtues of life. If you are not a grateful Christian, you are not going to be very much of a, of a winsome Christian. You have to have a grateful attitude for what God has done for you. Secondly, ingratitude we could say is the leprosy of the soul. It destroys... Our happiness. It eats away our inside. It cripples our joy. It withers our compassion. It paralyzes our praise and renders us numb to all the blessings of God. Now, today we have a unique opportunity following this story of the ten lepers being healed to express gratitude to God as we partake of the Lord's Supper, the bread that represents the body of Christ, the the cup of juice that represents the blood that Jesus shed for us. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 26 we read these words. While they were eating Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, offered it to them saying, Drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You see, on that night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it, and he passed it around to them. And to paraphrase perhaps what he said was, this is to represent what I'm doing for you. It's my body that will be broken on the cross. When you eat this, do it as a reminder. Do it to remember me for what I've done for you. And what can we think of at this moment that God has done for us as we hold in a moment that piece of bread that represents his body? First of all, through His sacrifice, He has saved us from the penalty of sin. All of the the sins that we've committed in the past, he saved us from the penalty of those sins. Secondly, he, He is saving us from the power of sin. He breaks that grip of sin, that stranglehold grip of sin on our lives through His power and through His presence in our life. And then eventually one day He will save us from the very presence of sin where we will be with Him forever in the glories of heaven and there will be no sin. And we will be removed from the very presence of sin when we are there. Then Jesus also took the cup that night. And he said, this is a cup representing the blood that I will shed for you. Now, when you drink it, this, this, you are to do it as a reminder that I spilled my blood for you. I gave it for you. This is how much I love you. Do this to remember me. So when we come to this table and we think about this, our attitude should be one of gratefulness. Gratefulness because of God's love for us and the depth of His love expressed in the giving of His only Son, Jesus Christ, who would die on the cross. And what do we remember that He has done for us as we hold that cup? Three things. First of all, He paid for your forgiveness. There had to be a blood sacrifice that was perfect, that would pay for the forgiveness of your sins. And Jesus was the perfect Son of God. And on that cross... He did everything that was necessary for your sins to be forgiven and for you to, to have a relationship with God and to know eternal, eternal life and to know the joy of salvation in this world. Secondly, Jesus paid for your freedom. You have to think about the freedom that you experience in your life now because Jesus Christ has made us free. Give us a freedom from guilt, freedom from the shame of past sins, Freedom from anything that would hinder us in our life because He has forgiven us and placed His Spirit within our lives. And then we need to thank Him because Jesus Christ has paid for our future. Jesus talked about being reunited with us in the glories of heaven. And there and not until there and then will He sit down with us and and enjoy this meal once again and celebrate with us there. And we know by those words that Jesus has paid for our future and He has promised us that. And so today is a wonderful time to express our appreciation to God, our thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's an opportunity that we do not want to miss. So today as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper we are reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as we do that and as we share in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. This is a time that our hearts should be filled with gratitude and that we should express our our love for Christ and our gratitude for him as we partake of this meal, remembering his sacrifice through the bread, remembering his love through through the cup. And through all of that we find our forgiveness, we find our hope, we find our relationship with God. And so we take this opportunity to express our gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ.